Welcome to MASH Mouth, a podcast covering every single episode of the hit 1970s sitcom, MASH. I'm Ethan. And I'm Vanessa. Vanessa, hello. Once again, we don't have any kind of opening topic for this episode. These episodes, as it turns out, are not very relatable to our everyday lives. <laughs> no, they're not. We just want to wish everybody a uh, uh, happy holidays and a happy new year because this will be going out in 2023. Yes, our first episode of 2023. Kind of insane that it's already 2023. That is that is wild to me. We we started talking about this podcast in 2020. We're old. <laughs> I know it's not like uh I know it's not a um a new or hot take to be like, "Wow, it feels like 2020 was still like yesterday," but it really does. <laughs> it really really does. Uh it's just a black hole where it's like, oh, my life kind of like stopped for a while in 2020, and suddenly it's much later, and we're just we're just here now. So anyway, <laughs> let's get into this episode of Mash and just have a good time talking about it. Yes, definitely. So this episode is called Officer of the Day, and when Hawkeye is assigned Officer of the Day, he has to deal with the return of Colonel Flag. Several Korean civilians in need of medical attention and Klinger's attempts to escape to Seoul. Vanessa, what did you think of this episode? So I'm not sure how I really felt about this episode. Like, I I struggled with this episode because I did, I did enjoy it. But I feel like, and of course, like, we'll get into it, but I feel like it wrapped up kind of quickly. Um, it was a good episode, but it was also very, like, strange. I think that anything with Colonel Flag in it is going to be, like, kind of mm-hmm. good, but also kind of terrible. I feel you. Um, obviously, I'm still less familiar with the the legacy of Colonel Flag as the show goes on. But this episode was definitely more coherent. the The debut episode with him in it is absolute whackball nonsense territory. <laughs> and this one like had a plot and like a message that it was trying to say, but it did kind of feel like two episodes kind of mushed together. Um, mm-hmm. it's definitely not bad, but I feel like the kind of two storylines don't come together that well, and Colonel Flag isn't quite the same as he was in, like, the previous episode where he was just kind of, like, a goofy character. This time they're trying to play him straight, and I don't know how well that worked, but, like, still pretty solid overall when you like look at each individual kind of moment. Yeah, I definitely agree with you that it felt like two kind of storylines converging into one and I don't know how well that really worked because the first definitely was different than the latter half of the episode and it was just kind of like a strange amalgamation of two separate ideas into one. I don't know. Very very weird, but like I do think that this version of Colonel Flag, like you said, is less goofy and definitely more serious. But I feel like in later episodes that he's in, it's kind of a hybrid of both types of Colonel Flag, where it's just like, oh, he's like there for a serious purpose, but also he's still like goofier. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, it, it was it was kind of strange. Yeah, because uh, they, they're definitely trying to do like commentary with him. They're trying to like make a point about the military and the CIA with him. So it was kind of strange to see that after just how much of a, a absolute like farce of a character he was before. <laughs> yeah. um, but 
let's uh let's get more into the the actual like plot. Yeah, for sure. So this opens with Frank in command, and as usual, when they're when they're trying to do Frank in command, uh, every single time the like bugle calls always horrible. Never never played right, <laughs> and I I always find that very funny. And this is a really good radar episode because this is maybe my favorite radar bit in the entire show so far, where a cannon is fired at radar's like bugle kind of accidentally, and he just like flips out. He like loses his entire mind. It's one of my <laughs> my like favorite things that radar's done. It was so funny. Yeah, and he like charges at Igor, who is the person who fired the cannon, and it's just like it's very like. It's almost out of character for Radar, but you're like, ooh, what is this spicy side of Radar right now? This is an aggressive Radar in this episode. We get a lot of, like, Radar kind of out of character almost, where he's kind of more grown up, kind of like more of an actual, like, dude. Mm -hmm. Even though part of this episode involves his little teddy bear, there's a lot of (laughs) Radar kind of being, like, frustrated and angry and Radar's never, like, really angry. This is, like, an episode where he's, like, mad at a lot of people. It's pretty fun. I was reading that as him just kind of being, like, over Frank's, like, quote-unquote command of him just, like, <laughs> making them do all of this ridiculous stuff. And then, like, that was the straw that broke the camel's back of just, like, really, dude? Like, why are we doing this? <laughs> so Frank is always, 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 always conducting these absolutely garbage like inspections of people and he goes down the line and he's like one guy who's like five o'clock shadow he writes up for having too heavy of a beard on the battlefield (laughs) um and then he inspects some guy's gun and i don't know if this is protocol but he like looks into the like muzzle of the what's the what's the thing where the the bullet comes out the barrel, the barrel of the gun. <laughs> yeah, he looks into the barrel of the gun, and I'm like, you should, even if this is, like, in theory, like, what military people are supposed to do, I don't know. You shouldn't do that. You're going to shoot yourself in the face. I hope that was something that, like, people don't actually do. That yeah, scared that was, me. Yeah, that was quite alarming to me. I'm like, did Frank really just, like, point a gun at himself like that? Like, that can't be good. And supposedly those guns are loaded too like why did he do that (laughs) that was very concerning with this show i don't know if that was like a joke about him being incompetent or just a thing that like you're supposed to do when inspecting a gun i really hope that you're not supposed to look into the barrel of the gun (laughs) if anyone knows please tell us please loop us in because like honestly that was quite concerning to like lay viewers like us (laughs) yeah and then uh, we come to Klinger, and Klinger, as always, looks fabulous, and Frank's not having a single second of it. This time, he's actually in, like, male uniform, but he's got some colored nails, he's got some high heels, he's pulling it off, he's he's looking delightful, um, and he wants a trip to Seoul, is his big thing for this episode. And I, I was surprised that that, like, came back. I thought that would be, like, a one-off joke of, like, in this inspection. He's like, oh, I want a trip to Seoul. But mm-hmm. in this entire episode, he's, like, really trying to make his escape to Seoul. And I <laughs> thought that was pretty funny of, of Claire yeah. to do. <laughs> he wasn't even gunning for, like, hey, I want to get discharged. Frank, discharge me. He was just like, just give me some, like, rest, dude, please. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you noticed, but Klinger's ring matched the earrings that he had on. 
And, oh, I did not um, notice that. <laughs> I just hate that Frank is so... Uh, Frank just doesn't understand good fashion sense, clearly. Yeah. And honestly, clearly, clearly like... I was I was trying to make a Frank Burns like burn on Frank, but it didn't work. Um, but Frank is a killjoy, basically, is what I'm trying to get at. He clearly has no sense of style. Yes, no sense of style. I was hoping that Margaret would be like, when Margaret was like, high heels, I was like, girl, like those high heels are cute. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> See, I like that Klinger wanted to go to Seoul for Mother's Day because it just reminded me of the excuse he gave of his mother being pregnant and also dying and also <laughs> having like... 50 other things wrong with her that was like a nice <laughs> subtle callback to uh the relationship between Klinger and his mom that is apparently <laughs> very strange <laughs> yes yeah definitely that's so funny and then right after this and you know frank blows up at Klinger. he just kind of stops the inspection even though there's like five <laughs> other people like waiting to be inspected he's like well that's we're done Anyway, I'm retiring to my my bunk for the weekend. Hawkeye's in charge. Peace out. And that felt very strange for Frank. Normally, he's not one to give up power, but I guess he, you know, everybody gets tired. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, okay. So this is part of the reason why I just didn't know what to feel about this episode. Because I was super confused about the, like, the officer of the day thing. Um, Because he, Mm -hmm. of course, he assigns that duty to Hawkeye. And I'm like, okay, so clearly, like, this is just so that we can have, like, Hawkeye dealing with a lot of stuff because Alan Aldo's the main character. Got it. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. But mm-hmm. also, I was like, so these are all things when Hawkeye is doing his, like, officer of the day duties. These are all things that, like, Henry deals with on a daily basis. Why is, like, officer of the day not a thing except when... You know what I mean? I was like, why isn't Frank taking care of all of this stuff? I was just like so confused about all of it because I could definitely see like a plot of the episode of like Frank trying to deal with this and like Hawkeye and Trapper just being like, hey, like, you know, and being very frank about it and Hawkeye and Trapper just being like, hey, Frank, stop being so frank about it. You know what I mean? Mm Yeah, I don't know how how real life. I assume this is a thing, like in the actual military. Yeah, the and like that's of the, the day. that's the thing is that I looked it up. I was like, "What is officer of the day supposed to be?" I thought it was like maybe a thing of like, "Oh, if your commanding officer is gone, then like they have like the second in command give like officer of the day." Blah blah blah. But no, it's just like it's supposed to be like a very like normal everyday type of thing apparently. And I was just like, "Well, I, we never saw this before, but okay." <laughs> This sounds so stupid, but it, like, reminded me of, like, hall monitor duty. Like, they treated it like it was Hawkeye's, like, turn to be hall monitor for the day. So, like, that's just kind of how I took it. But I didn't really question why Frank was, like, relinquishing power. I was just like, okay, sure. He and Margaret, uh, the joke he makes about he, he and Margaret, like, always being intimate with each other. Like, <laughs> the, the, like, Freudian slip was pretty good. Because Margaret, like, looks at, like, I think Radar is like, ugh. Uh, It's, like, pretty (laughs) funny. Yeah. Um, But anyway, Hawkeye, now officer of the day. And my man's tired. He he is sleeping his way through it. What do you think of this whole whole bit with him dealing with uh, Henry's duties? Because it it does, it's basically just this one scene, really. Yeah, so right before this, though, I don't know if you thought the same, but there were so many great lines in the scene where Hawkeye is given Officer of the Day duties. 
It was so good. Like the com- that this is why I do like this episode because I thought the comedy was done very well. Like the writing was very well done. And also, I don't know if you know this, but the whole like speech that Hawkeye gives of just like refusing to carry a gun, that's like super famous in the MASH family. Oh, is it? Just, like, oh, that makes the- sense. <laughs> I'll carry your books, carry a torch, like all that kind of stuff. That is like peak MASH like humor when someone's talking about the show. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'll, I'll Harry carry, but I will not carry a gun. I don't <laughs> I'll know Harry carry if you Harry show me is. how. It's a dance, I'm pretty sure. But like, yeah, that that whole bit was really fun. If it wasn't so long, I would have wrote it down to be like oh, the line. I, I wrote the whole okay. ass thing down. Don't you worry. <laughs> I'm just sparing everybody because anybody who has like watched this episode and knows Mash like really well knows that this is like the. I'll carry a gun, like, monologue, yeah. basically. Yeah. No, all the lines in this one were really good. I, I agree but with you. I do think that this was, like, kind of the start of, like, the whole commentary on the episode where Hawkeye is like, I'm not carrying this gun. Like, there's no way. Mm-hmm. And that kind of, like, sets off the whole thing of just, like, Hawkeye kind of being this pacifist. Like, hey, I'm a doctor. My job in general and my job in this war is to save people's lives and, like, put people back together after they've been, like, destroyed by guns. I'm not going to carry this thing that, you know, kills people because that's not what I'm here to do. It also got me mm-hmm. thinking of like the Vietnam War in general of like yeah. kind of anti-violence, anti-war sentiment. And I feel like that kind of probably colored the whole reason for this. Also, I was thinking of Hacksaw Ridge because this was like a real thing. Um, <laughs> so I won't go into that whole thing. But yeah, I did think that this was well done commentary to start with the episode especially juxtaposing it with frank's like hyper military patriotism type of thing and then hawkeye just being so unwilling to carry a gun no i really like hawkeye's pacifism and how much he kind of always is looking out to do like the right thing as a doctor and even later on in this episode i forget the the circumstance he's like on the phone with somebody and he's, like, telling them, like, we're doctors here. The best thing that we could do is charge the enemy and take out their tonsils. Uh, he's <laughs> always in the mindset of, like, I'm here to help people. I'm not here to fight the war. And even in, like, a very minor way of, like, carrying a gun while being the officer of the day, he's like, no, I won't do that. The way they characterize him, I think, is very strong in this episode, even though this sort of plot line about him being in charge doesn't really last like all throughout the episode Mm -hmm. yeah i definitely agree with you i thought it was really endearing the scenes with this is kind of interspliced throughout the rest of the episode too but right after this he begins dealing with these wounded korean civilians and the first man he presents his like identification card and he seems like also like super grateful to Hawkeye in his like very limited English. He's just like, Harry Truman's the best, like yay. And it was just like really sweet. And then I, I also felt like along the same lines of that, of just like Hawkeye kind of just like being there to be a doctor, he just notices that everybody's using the same identification card. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that that was so poignant as well of this like war going on and i i don't know i'm not i'm not like making the best point but like i really enjoyed the part about them treating the civilians and whatnot because i just thought that it was very well done yes if this was i don't want to say a worse episode but like a different episode that would be like the conflict of like 
Frank doesn't want to treat these guys using the the one ID card. It would be like a mm-hmm. whole thing. But because it is just Hawkeye in charge of the camp for the day, um, he's just like, oh, okay, it's fine. We'll see you on through. It's like multiple men, multiple women, uh, all kind of using this one card. So it's not even like a subtle thing. Like it's very obvious that they're all just doing this because they're like, oh, this guy will treat us. Which is just very, very nice to see Hawkeye kind of be able to do this without the usual, like, Frank roadblocks or, like, Henry mm-hmm. having to worry about, like, the the military protocol. Just because he's in charge, he gets to be like, yeah, uh, don't worry about it. We'll, uh, we'll, see, we'll fix you right up and send you on home. Yeah, and I think that that kind of, like, goes into the main contention of this episode of, like, Flag brings this wounded North Korean... Uh, soldier who Hawkeye thinks is a civilian. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I thought this this was also interesting because I wasn't sure what the episode was, like, kind of trying to say. Like, Hawkeye says, like, hey, this is a civilian. And Flag is like, no, he's, like, a North Korean spy. And so you don't really, like, I feel like you don't get real confirmation of, like, whether it is one way or the other. And I thought that was, like, a very interesting part of this episode, too. And Flag is like, hey, I need him patched up because I'm going to go, like, execute him because he's a spy. And I was like, wow, that was a tone shift for this episode. (laughs) Now that we're talking about this, the episode is a little more cohesive than my initial impression. Because, like, Mm -hmm. the thing is that, like, this whole episode is about Hawkeye not wanting to do harm to anyone, including carrying this gun, and not wanting to have this this young man executed for maybe no good reason. So, like, at first when watching this, I was like, it's weird that the Hawkeye in charge kind of, you know, stops basically, and it becomes a Colonel Flag wants to murder a man, and we have to stop him <laughs> uh, episode. But it's all like, well, Hawkeye's in charge, so he gets to kind of be the one to deal with Colonel Flag. Um, so mm-hmm. it is a little more, like all coming together than than I initially thought but still Colonel Flag is such a weird presence in this episode like he yeah. shows up and it's like the Stanley Kubrick shot of him like on the <laughs> jeep with his like leg over it on a, like a low angle and you're immediately like oh okay hello friend what's up and he's like <laughs> doesn't remember uh Hawkeye's name at all and there's like some goofy stuff but they still try to, like, make him kind of intimidating. So it was, like, an interesting kind of balance, you know? Yeah, and, like, I told you this before, but I realized why people don't like Colonel Flag now, because he's, like, an asshole. Um, so, <laughs> like, I, I feel like this was, like, the first instance where we had, like, Colonel Flag, like, as, like, named Colonel Flag. He was, like, at the end of one of the spectrums of himself. Like, he was at the end of the spectrum of him being, like, goofball Colonel Flag. This was the complete opposite end where he is, like, hard-ass military intelligence CIA man. And in my head, Colonel Flag, like, typically is in the middle of that. You know what I mean? Which is why I was like, oh, yeah, like, Colonel Flag, he's not that bad, right? But, like, no, in this episode, he's, like, pretty bad. (laughs) Yeah, I get you. It's fun that he has this kind of range to him. And I imagine the unpredictability of like he could show up at any time. 
So yeah. you don't know what Colonel Flag you're going to get if it's like spy versus spy or like a real Colonel Flag commentary episode. But, and this is not to like diminish uh, Edward Winters at all, like his performance, but this character's so odd that like centering an episode around him, you're like, I don't know if this fully works, my dude. I think I said it in the first episode that he was in. It's just like, if he's in an episode, you know, like shenanigans are happening. Whether they're good or bad, like you don't know, but <laughs> they're, they're definitely, shit's like going down with Colonel Flag in an episode. Yeah. Um, also, I have to mention right before Colonel Flag shows up, and it's after Hawkeye treats, I think, the first Kim Luck. He kind of goes into, I guess, Henry's like cot and just like collapses down onto it. <laughs> and I'm like, I need that as a gif. So that whenever I'm done editing these episodes, I can just send that to you. <laughs> because my, my gift for you when I'm done recently has been like from Kiki's delivery service of her falling on that bed. <laughs> and I need Hawkeye falling on a cot to, to really sell it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I want to learn how to make a gift just so I can do that. But it's so funny that you say that because Hawkeye in this scene says one of my favorite MASH quotes ever where he goes, I'm not sleeping. I'm inspecting the inside of my eyelids. <laughs> that is my favorite, favorite MASH quote. I, When I was younger, I said that constantly and everyone's like what are you talking about i was just like no i'm clever because hawkeye said it see that is such a thing with like my mom my mom will just like fall asleep on the couch and be like i wasn't asleep my eyes were just closed i was just shutting my yeah. eyes it was relaxing that's definitely a mom thing. my <laughs> eyes and it just really reminded me of her and i'm glad that you love that quote because i'm like ah oh, that quote's like a good one you know <laughs> It's my all-time, like, favorite MASH quote. I, like, hands down, that's the one that comes to my mind all the time. <laughs> that's the one that's in your everyday life. You're not uh, telling people <laughs> you're going to Harry carry. You're telling people you're going <laughs> to fall asleep or <laughs> inspect the inside of your eyelids. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and then somewhere in here, I don't know when to bring this up because it's kind of uh, from here, there's kind of only a few scenes left, right? We we kind of talked about most of the thrust of the episode. It ends very quickly. Uh, not exactly like paced super well, but I want to bring up this one scene with Radar uh getting changed and like Hawkeye <laughs> uh like looking at him. And in the 50th anniversary special we did, they talked a lot about the scene and how they could not get through it. So watching this one, all I could think about was Alan Alda and Gary Berghoff just losing their mind for like <laughs> half a day of shooting. <laughs> like every time they looked at each other, they were just like hysterically laughing. They just couldn't do it. Apparently, and I, I don't know if this is true or not, but apparently that's like typically cut out of syndicated episodes i don't know if that's true like i can't speak to that but that's just something that i read and i'm just like i wonder if it's just because i like couldn't get like a typical like good shot of it because it was like you could tell that it was like cut together <laughs> because, yeah it was like they couldn't do it <laughs> maybe it's too much radar like too much skin you know they're like oh this is too hot for tv <laughs> <laughs> I also want to give a shout out to Klinger's uh, attempted escapes. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. The best one being when he's in a nun outfit. <laughs> that was pretty good. So the MPs come and they're like, yeah, we got him trying to escape. 
And he goes to Hawkeye. He's like, I was just taking a walk. And he's just in this nun outfit. Oh my god, it was just the best. (laughs) And then Hawkeye's like, that looks bad on me. I can't report that, like, we lost a hairy nun or something. (laughs) (laughs) It's really good, man. It was. uh, It was a good scene. All these bits are really good. So along the same lines as well of, like... All this comedy is kind of like interspliced into, um, you know, more like I would say heavier scenes again with like Hawkeye and Trapper coming to realize that Colonel Flagg is going to be executing this patient that he's saying like, hey, I need you to get him better just so that I can then put him in front of a firing squad, which is like very jarring. And also with like Hawkeye treating multiple people with the same ID card. And then there's also this one scene that I thought was very well done. Um, it was super subtle of these kids. They were stealing right. a bunch of I, stuff. From I the almost swamp. completely forgot about these kids. I'm sorry. No, yeah, it was it was super quick. Like they were only in two scenes, and I thought it just kind of tied the episode together. I can't exactly put my finger on why all of these like scenes with the civilians and flag and these kids really like tied together well, but it really did in the sense of like, hey remember that these are people too like we're here in a war and like it's not just these american soldiers and these american doctors who are being impacted it's these kids too like they're not stealing to be bad kids they're stealing because their country is being torn apart and like the people who are presenting the same id card like they're not presenting the same id card to like be deceitful or purposely deceitful it's just like they probably like had their id cards like misplaced or they might be technically like north korean civilians that need like south korean help you know what i mean it's just like it's it was a very it was very well done and like i said i can't entirely wrap my mind around exactly what i want to say but if you watch the episode like it's vibes you know yeah um this episode like we've been saying is kind of messy it's not like a perfect well-oiled episode but Mm -hmm. you do get a lot of like actual kind of daily life of living in korea more than you do in a lot of like there are just a lot of civilians hanging around this one uh like with these kids like it's just kind of a it's like normalized in this one a lot where it isn't even brought up that much that like these kids are like trying to steal stuff it's not like a big deal other than uh when they take radar's teddy bear um, but even then, it's not like a huge deal. It's just like, come on, get, give it back. Um, you get a lot of these like ancillary people that are just around the camp. And I thought that like kind of made the world feel more lived in than it, it typically kind of feels like. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And the fact that you said that kind of clarified it in my mind of just like, oh, yeah, this is showing the everyday life of what it is like not just on a mass unit but a mass unit in korea and what the Mm -hmm. korean people have to deal with and kind of meshing those two things together and yeah i thought that it was just really well done even though the episode felt like a little bit disjointed at times it was a well done piece of commentary about what they were trying to say i agree and i liked when the kids were trying to steal the phone and they're like oh we weren't doing anything (laughs) That's a very, like, kid thing, you know? Yeah, they're like, someone said we could have this. It's just like, I don't think that's the case, kids. I don't think that's true, buddy. <laughs> so it's pretty good. This one's actually much better than I initially thought. Like, we usually say, like, oh, these episodes get better once we talk about them. 
But, like, this one, I'm really, like, no, it's actually, like, a really kind of good one. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. I agree. And I guess we should talk about, like, the actual end as well. Yeah. So, basically, Hawkeye and Trapper are trying to stall uh, Flag taking this young North Korean supposed spy to be executed. And comes to a head in the mess tent where um, he brings in Frank and Margaret and is like, hey, like, force this doctor to, like, sign over this patient to me, basically. And I thought it was very interesting that Flag was, like, pulling a gun on Hawkeye. I'm like, I'm gonna shoot you if you don't sign this patient over. And I'm like, why didn't Hawkeye just, like, kind of call his bluff and be like, no, dude. (laughs) Like, shoot me then. Okay. I feel like Flag would shoot him, though. I feel like he doesn't care at all. Like, he (laughs) would. That's true. I think that I was thinking that because we got, like, less unhinged flag and more, like, hyper-military flag in this episode. I'm like, he's not going to shoot him. But honestly, unhinged flag would shoot Hawkeye. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like he is just so much of a CIA military caricature that, like, yeah, he would shoot him because, like, what else would he do? Like, that is the most extreme thing he could do. Why would he not shoot him? When he pulled the mm-hmm. gun, I was like, oh, God. Um, not thinking that, like, anything bad would happen. But normally, there's a sense of, like, civility with everybody who shows up at the camp. They're not, like, mm-hmm. looking to, to shoot other people. <laughs> so it was just, like, a big, like, okay, buddy, sure. Um, and Hawkeye is like, <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, we gotta we got to let him have his guy, you know, because he's got a gun and what can I do? Even if Hawkeye had the gun, it's not like they were going to do a Italian cowboy movie standoff between the two. You know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah, I think it was also just like, you know, they needed to like wrap the plot up as yeah. well, of course. But <laughs> just like in universe, I'm just like, I don't know. I, I think that I would just be like, yeah, dude, shoot me. But also, what do this I know? This happened with three minutes of the episode left. I was like, this is kind <laughs> of insane. Very, very abrupt ending of the season with the first episode, too, with uh, What's-His-Face just kind of dancing away. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that so far in this season. Pretty abrupt endings because the whole, like, funny way they get out of it is that, you know, Klinger wanted a trip to Seoul anyway, and they were going to take this North Korean spy to Seoul, and they just kind of, like, swapped them out. They sent Klinger on the bus with Colonel Flagg, and I thought that was very comical. (laughs) That was insane. I was like, oh, so Klinger's going to die. Flag's going to shoot him. He's going to be like, what are you doing here? Yeah, I I felt the same way because, I mean, like, the fact that Klinger kind of, like, winked at the camera was very funny to me. But then yeah. I was, then I thought about it for, like, 30 seconds and I was like, wait a minute. So Flag supposedly already shot this kid for supposedly, like, running away, trying to, like, escape him. Okay, sure, if we believe that. And then also, so they put Klinger on a bus with him. Like, who knows if he's going to just go Colonel Flag on him and just kill him. Like, that's terrible. Yeah. But also, I guess it didn't happen. <laughs> Obviously, our, our man Klinger is fine. But, like, you can't just send a man off with, like, a CIA officer ready to kill a man and just, like, be <laughs> sent home. He would be, like, court-martialed at the very least. I don't know. <laughs> uh, maybe that's how he gets his Section 8. Maybe he'd be like, you know what? You're not good enough for the military. Get out of here. <laughs> but obviously, 
good old Jamie Farr going to be back next week, I assume. <laughs> Speaking of that, too, one of my favorite lines from this episode was in the beginning when Frank is telling Klinger, you're a disgrace to man and womanhood. <laughs> <laughs> he gets so angry at Quigger. The way he yells like, oh, shut up, is like the angriest shut up I've ever heard on TV. There was vitriol in that. Like, Frank was like screaming in this episode. I yeah. was like, bro, what the heck? <laughs> like, my throat felt sore hearing him yell, shut up. Right? Because he did it in that very, like, Frank tone of voice still. Like, very, like, high-pitched still, but also very angry. And I'm like, ugh. Yikes. So, uh, do you want to talk about your favorite lines from this episode if you uh, have any more in the tank that you haven't brought up yet? I have so many, but I'm only going to... <laughs> I'm going to get to a couple. Um, When they were in the tent, when they were in the swamp and Hawkeye was sleeping and Frank goes... He goes to Trapper, is he sleeping? And Trapper goes, no, Frank, he heard so much about rigor mortis, he thought he would try it. That really got me. <laughs> oh, and then also the one with Klinger in the nun outfit. And Hawkeye says something along the lines of like, go slip into something secular. That that did it for me. That also, I was just rolling. Yeah, I wish uh, Father Malkehi was around. I wanted, I wanted to see his... Uh... Little, oh, little that would have been so good. That. So good. Because <laughs> you know he would have said something like incredible after seeing Quinger in that <laughs> outfit. Absolutely. I have to say, one of my favorite lines in this episode was Radar comes in and for some reason he's freaking out. I don't remember why. And Hawkeye is just like, Radar, what's wrong? Your slight but sturdy body is all a tremble. Amazing. Only Hawkeye says stuff like that and like sells it so well. <laughs> yeah, you know how we're always like, or you always say, Henry must have been like preparing for that line. Like it feels <laughs> like Hawkeye just like said that right then and there. Mm-hmm. And I got to shout out uh one of the one of the weirder ones because these are always fun to, to bring up. Margaret at one point is like, if I didn't hate violence, I I would kick you, Hawkeye. And he responds, Oh, would you? With heels? <laughs> I That was a good one, too. I liked that one. <laughs> I just like... The, I like the weird little moments in the show of like, oh, mm-hmm. that's, a, that, that's maybe a thing for somebody. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, do you have a DF trivia for us? Like this episode, I have a bit <laughs> of disjointed trivia. So... Like we mentioned, the Korean identification cards, these were issued by the Republic of Korea, which is South Korea, um, to distinguish between North and South Korean citizens. They are still required to be carried by every person over the age of 17, as far as like my research goes. Oh, really? um, the source I used was in Korean, so I did have to translate it. So I don't know how reliable that information is. And then, like I said, for this episode, I think that they were probably using the same identification card because of things like oh maybe someone was a technically like north korean or like identification cards got messed up in Mm -hmm. the displacement of the war so i also did a little bit of research about execution um, of prisoners during the korean war that was like a super heavy topic that i just like touched on a little bit so i think i mentioned in the episode like i don't know necessarily if that was like super realistic that um flag would have been executing this korean soldier um, probably would have just kept him as like a POW for like a prisoner exchange type of thing. Um, but that being said, I did find a source that said there are many pretrial executions carried out by the South Korean military that the U.S. military and even General MacArthur knew about, especially during 
the earlier days of the war, um, some 2,000 political prisoners by some estimates. And I will link this information all in the description of our episode. So if you want to kind of just check that out a little bit more. I also mentioned Desmond Doss, who was the real life medic who refused to carry a gun during World War II. And I do have information about him as well if you want to like like investigate him. Hacksaw Ridge was, you know, an award winning movie. So, <laughs> oh, okay. When you brought up Hacksaw Ridge, I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. So I would like oh, really? to. Uh, yeah, I never saw that. I was like, oh, Mel Gibson movie? Not interested. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I, I wish that I had done like done a little bit more digging, but I just figured like because the movie was made on him, like I didn't have to like recount all of it. But okay, okay. I will link some some information about uh, Desmond Doss because it, it is a pretty cool story. Anyway, okay, so I do have um, a little bit more fun trivia about one of the guest stars of this episode. So Richard Lee Sung was the actor who was one of the several Kim Lux in this episode. Lee Sung was born in El Paso, Texas, and moved to Los Angeles in early childhood. He served in the U.S. Marines during the Korean War and earned a Purple Heart. So that's really Ooh, cool. That's really cool. So <laughs> this is this is something that I, when I was looking up trivia, I loved this. So because he's bald, apparently he was known for telling like hair jokes all the time, and he also <laughs> liked to be called Curly. <laughs> <laughs> and I just I love that sense of humor. That is just so funny. <laughs> you look familiar, but uh that's that's awesome. I love that. That is really funny. <laughs> <laughs> and um he also did a lot of guest roles. So he was in MASH for eleven episodes playing like kind of various characters. Maybe that's where I've seen him from if he's in a couple episodes. I think that he's in mostly uh later episodes. Like I definitely remember him in later seasons. But he was also in shows in the MASH universe, including After MASH and Trapper John M.D. <laughs> of course he was. The extended MASH universe. <laughs> he also did guest roles in Happy Days, The Apple Dumpling Gang, and The Incredible Hulk, along with a lot of other sitcoms from the 70s and 80s into the 90s. And Lee Sung passed away in 2021 at the age of 91 from Natural Causes, which, like, amazing. That's that man was so bald run. and healthy. Amazing. <laughs> Well, you know, when you when you go bald, you're you're good for the rest of your life if you go bald young. <laughs> but yeah, so I thought that that was just really cool. Yeah, no, it's that's uh, I love the hair jokes. Uh, based on what you're telling me, really fun guy, and I'm glad that he lived to be <laughs> quite old. So, Ethan, yeah. what is your martini rating for this episode? Oh, okay, this is a tricky one because first impression not very strong. Talking about this episode, I'm like, well, actually, it's pretty good thematically, pretty good character exploration of Hawkeye, <laughs> uh, and more cohesive than I originally thought it would be. So I'm going to have to go like higher than I, I, I originally kind of thought. Maybe a, a 3.5 out of 5. You know, pretty solid. Nothing crazy, but, you know, gets the job done. A pretty decent martini. What about you? I would have to agree. I would say 3.5. I was like kind of grappling whether this should be a four or not, but I do think that 3.5 is just like where I'm at for this episode. Uh, see, like that's the thing, right? Is that I was grappling with the four because I was like, oh, but it has my favorite line in it. And it also like has the the carry a gun soliloquy, basically. <laughs> and I <laughs> just love those two things. They're like such like quintessential like mash fandom things yeah. for me. Um, but objectively, I would say like probably 3.5 because like after deconstructing the episode a little bit, 
I do I do like it a lot more. For me, I think if the ending was stronger, if it felt a little less rushed, this would be a much better episode as a whole. Mm-hmm. But it just kind of was like, oh, we ran out of time. We need to we need to have a final joke with Klinger. Let's just do this real quick and just be done. <laughs> but, you know, overall, pretty good one. And like you're saying, maybe this episode's iconic. Maybe there's a lot of like iconic stuff in this one. Watch this be on like our top list for this. I season. know, right? <laughs> I know. No, I don't think so, but like <laughs> who knows? <laughs> Check us out for the rest of the season. Yes, please listen to every single episode and tell your friends. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) Good night. Good night. (laughs) More seriously, just to wrap up, we'd like to give thanks to Jacob Friarbalco for being our technical consultant, Melissa Vanessa's sister for our awesome cover art, and, of course, our listeners. Links to our music, social media, and contact for the show are in the description, as always. And join us next week for Season 3, Episode 4, Iron Guts Kelly. But until then... Don't forget to make your payments on the war. Goodbye, farewell, and amen. Bye, everyone.